This is the I'm Kinda Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Lester Bro. This is day four. <laughs> day four, final day, the last day of the I'm Kinda Famous Mental Health Awareness Week. Man. Before I jump too far into it, man, make sure y'all go to the Facebook page. I appreciate all love on the Facebook page. Uh, and Twitter, the response back from this week has been pretty fucking dope. I'm glad people are sharing. I'm glad people have coming. I appreciate them emails. I appreciate everything that has happened this week. Over on, on the over on the social media, geez, K I N D A famous pod P O D kind of famous pod is where you find us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, Arrow Films, that's my personal website. That's where you go to go see the stuff that I've done, done. This, that, and the third. Arrowfilms.com. A R O W E films.com. Also, we got the YouTube page where we got the video content, video episodes. Some of it is live video uh, from the Kind of Famous podcast. So, whatever, <clears throat> anytime we um, are filming something, you'll know, you'll see it. And uh, sometimes we like to make a uh, video version of the show for people who just really like uh youtube like that they can just have that going uh but that's uh youtube.com slash arrow films find the i'm kind of famous podcast playlist and everything will be right there or just youtube i'm kind of famous podcast it'll pop up um i think oh and them clean ass people collectors man we gonna i'm gonna probably make a mental health uh people collector at some point real soon so uh the red bubble where you find them damn people collectors all right now this week has been phenomenal for me um obviously all these shows are pre uh pre-recorded nothing is live but this is a task in itself to make all this happen and you know i had certain things happen that i didn't think would happen people come want to do uh the show couldn't do the show um you know different ideas of what i wanted to do that didn't pan out but man so many people came through in the clutch for me they made it work um so big shouts out to uh brandy newry for day one for uh you know really breaking down the real uh i'm gonna say facts of uh mental health house handled with kids also just in terms of giving me that raw information from a psychologist and a therapist uh for the information on detection detecting signs and also just easy early signs to see in people um of course day two with jatavia gary who filmmaker uh extraordinaire uh i'm definitely having her back on and we're gonna talk some 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 deeper shit, but um, big shouts out to her for well, actually not even for the show, for what she did for me in the moment of grief and um despair and depression. Uh, as you heard on episode two, it was a pretty uh heavy weighted show. You know, it was emotional, very personal. 
Um, I is one of my favorites. I say that, but I say that because I was able to get it recorded, and it was the whole reason for this whole week, to be honest. But I had to also be honest enough to say I didn't even listen back to that episode after it was record- recorded, um, just because I I couldn't hear myself. I couldn't hear myself in that in that vulnerable state like that. Like, I I what was said was said is good. Um, the people who have emailed me and messaged me and texted me and made those random phone calls for people I've never I haven't heard from heard from in a while. Like, I appreciate all that too. Um, uh, my biggest thing is to make sure people know like this this is real shit. This is this is real shit, um. You know, it's look, and also uh, before I get into what I'm about to say, a uh, big shout out to Rex from ICT Connect uh, podcast for coming through on day three. We talked alternatives, uh, different ways of looking at this outside of taking a bunch of medicine. Um, but with that, I also really, really want to stress the precautions of a hey, know your body, do the research, go get seen, get with a therapist, do all that and figure out what's going on first and then make some decisions. Uh, but do it uh, carefully and with thorough research, because everybody is different. What works for some may not work for you. What works for you may not work for others. So we just really want to be cautious about just saying, oh, listen to that show and do some of those things. No, start, have a starting point, get some information, and then go. Cool? All right. Now, um, I'm going to pop in and out of this episode. This episode is about stories. You know, people sharing their stories. I'm going to read off emails or, or different uh, things that I've received. And we got a few... Uh, live testimonials that i recorded so you guys can enjoy that as well um but you know one thing i want to say about this this whole week um and experience of this week is this 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 ain't easy and i'm not talking about the show like people dealing with mental health issues it's not easy. It's not, you know, one thing I hear a lot of being a person that deal with depression is like people always say, well, let's go to the store. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Like, look, that sort of thing is cool. It's great that you want to help, but I can, and most people who deal with depression can go into any situation and hide this. Like it's something that's been hidden for a very long time. You know, we can do all the greatest thing, have all the greatest accolades, come home, sit in the room by ourselves, and then just beat ourselves to death. Verbally abuse ourselves like nothing else. Feel hopeless. Like, that is a part of it. And then walk out, put on that mask, and be happy. You know, um... You know, you just got to be patient, yo. Like, like you know, one thing I, I, I we talked about is, like, how I, how bad I feel my relationships are with people. You know, it's a very analytical relationship because that's what I need. Like, I need to understand people. My filmmaking journey is really about trying to understand me. Ever since I've really, you know, understood what I felt like I was going through and depression, 
before it was like became an actual thing that I was dealing with. It was about understanding me. Like understanding people helped me understand me because I'm asking other people questions that no one is asking me about my life. And so that's where the usefulness came from for me. Um, But like you look at, I mean, it's so many entertainers out there. Though. Like, come on. Like Robin Williams, one of the biggest fucking people ever in entertainment, killed himself, suffering. You would never guess he had fucking shit coming up. Like he had great movies that had just came out. Some of the biggest movies ever made. One of the high, a highly regarded, highly respected comedian. He makes people laugh for a living. And he killed himself. Because that shit gets too much sometimes. And it's not that it's too much like, what do I do, what do I do? It's like, yeah, this thing takes over you and it is you at that moment. You know? So, like, um, who else? I mean, it was a a, a rock star just a couple of days. The name uh, slips me right now, but he, he killed himself. Michael Jackson, Prince. Like, and I'm not even talking about the fact that they died as much as like, look at how much that they were doing to themselves in order to be these geniuses that they were or to be like to continue to try to find, you know, like like I, I, I think the work was so. It was so much a part of them, but it was really the escape from who they are. Like not, you know what I mean? Not trying to figure, like just, just if I'm working, I'm not dealing with me. Um, I would even argue it's entertainers right now. Um, dealing like who we make a mockery of. I, I would, I honestly think Chris Brown has a mental health disorder because. He's on top. He's like one of the biggest acts ever on top of the world. And the shit that he does is not just rich people issues. I can do whatever I want because I'm rich issues. These are big. These are big things. These are things you know are wrong. And you do them anyway. So, you know, I take that and I go back to the stigma of it all is like, especially in the black community and minority communities, like we're hiding so much. Just do do the bad practicing, do the practices, do the bad, um, not I won't say bad upbringing, but poor like conversation, not acknowledging things. You know, it's kind of put us where we're at. And so this week, man, it was important to me because. I know so many people. I know so many fucking entertainers. Great entertainers. Musicians, artists, whatever. Who deal with the same shit. And I still today, I get into these ruts where I'm like, I, I'm not good enough. Why am I here? Like, I, I do this a lot. It's just I had a very, very dark moment where it was like, I didn't want to be here. 
And so I felt like when Jatavia, you know, helped me out of that, that I had to do this. I had when this happened, I had this show was just starting. I was feeling good about this. Show. I had great things coming up, great uh notice of things of people that wanted me to be involved involved with. Um great recognitions of other things like nothing was going wrong you know and 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 it was it was something so slight that sparked this episode and once i got out of got out of it i was like yo i i come on i got i got a voice i'm talking to the people i got a platform i'm using it i got listeners you know what i mean like Let's do something. And so we did the Mental Health Awareness Week on the I'm Kind of Famous podcast. So I'm going to be in and out of this episode. um, And we're going to, you know, read a few um, emails. Um, I doubt that I'm going to jump in and add any commentary to what's read. I'm just going to read it. Hit the sweeper, then we're going to come out of it. I may say something then or whatever, whatever. We go to the next story. Um. But I appreciate everybody for participating um, who have participated in this. I really hope that y'all share this on the social media. Hit the share button. Hit the like button. Whatever it is. Hit the hearts or wherever it is. Let people hear it. You know what I mean? Like, you have no idea who is suffering. It's so many people who are suffering and need to hear these kind of things. So I gave you four. Next week, Next week, we'll be back to the regular program. I have no idea what I'm releasing next week. I don't know if I'm going to do a new show or drop an interview or what. Um, But we'll get back to We're going to be light next week, though. Like We're not going to jump into none of the heavy shit because, man, this week is rough. It's rough on me putting all this together, and I'm glad it's there. Um, uh, So... With that said, big shouts out to um uh, Talk Space uh for coming on board, Main Dame Mag for coming on board, the kitchen for allowing us to the kitchen Wichita.com for allowing what they allow uh to record a couple of these um I see racks at ICT Connect uh podcast. Um they're a pretty good podcast. They're a really good podcast. I should say pretty good, really good podcast. Uh, great chemistry on that show. I'll be doing that show here soon. Um, and just anybody else, uh, I'll be giving plugs throughout the thing. So, uh, let's jump into this first one. I'm kind of famous podcast. Mental health awareness week, day four, final show. I appreciate it. I see you on the other side. Okay, first up. First thing I get here, uh, this is from Anupa on um, the gram. She said, send me a DM we, uh, of her uh, episode. Um, this is going to be a subject of a little bit about uh, PTSD. Uh, she goes, I have been opening up here. Uh, I'm not good at sharing and therapy back then lasted like two sessions. I had all the classic signs of complex PTSD. Stockholm Syndrome. I write on everything I can, just not mental health. 
I am a passionate mental health advocate, helping many with all mental health issues. I do have a medical background, and writing is my passion. I am passionate on preventing uh, both men and women from domestic violence, bullying, and all other sorts of abuse. I had complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I have had past traumas. I have gone through abuse. I have been exposed to narcissistic possessive behavior, and I have been severely stalked. I have also attempted and thought about attempting suicide. Though I have been through these events, this is when I felt God the most. He saved me and redeemed me even when I could not speak. I trust it all now, and it's taken me to a higher purpose. I am trying to make a change, and I've had, had many friends doing many inspiring things. Together is stronger in bringing awareness and change. I will never give up. There's a higher purpose. We are meant to be happy, and I promise that. I'm also big on spending love, kindness, compassion, and all the basics of humanity, as all could use positive support. It will make us more united and stronger. I care, I believe, and I'm here always. Anupa R. All right, we're back with another uh, story here on the I'm Kind of Famous podcast. Got Shantaray here. She's going to do a little story about bipolar. So she's going to share that. But before we start that, um, I want to make sure that people, make sure you go over to TalkSpace.com. That is a uh, online therapy, basically. You get audio, video, text, whatever you need uh, in terms of getting some mental health help. Mental health help. There we go. Um, as well as it's at your convenience. It's at your time. Uh, you don't you don't have to worry about going to a doctor's office or anything like that. You can do all this at your convenience. They'll text you back, whatever you need to get help. Uh, start there. That's a quick start. If you don't feel like making an appointment, if it's uncomfortable to sit in front of someone and talk, you can do it the way most people do things now in text. So uh, Talkspace, Talkspace.com has a weekly uh, a subscription fee, but it'll go a long way into your own health. All right. And also, we'll make sure we talked about main dame uh magazine.com, uh, lifestyle magazine uh, here based here in Wichita. Um, doing real good things in terms of uh, getting your lifestyle together. All right, and right now you may hear some of the birds chirping, the wind blowing, cars going by. I think I heard a cart. Uh, we're sitting out here uh, at the kitchen in Wichita. Uh, it's a restaurant. Uh, the kitchen is located at 725 East Douglas. Really, really good food with a, uh, what we call this, uh, uh, ever-changing uh, menu based on the chef. It's real affordable, real nice. So come out to the kitchen here in Wichita, downtown, by Old Town, by the train station, 725 East Douglas. Now, Chanteray. Hello, hello. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. This weather's nice. Well, it could be nicer, but other than that, doing pretty great. All right. Now, you're going to tell us about uh, your... Um, about with bipolar so before you do that i want to make sure i give a um general uh definition 
of what it means to be bipolar and then i'll let you go from there and we'll talk a little bit but uh to be bipolar uh, according to uh what do we got here according to the mayo clinic uh, is a disorder associated with episodes of mood swings ranging from depressive lows and manic highs. Does that sound about right to you? That's a pretty accurate. Um, for me, I experience more episodes of depression than mania or manic. <clears throat> and with that, um, you could just be laid out in bed for days at a time. Um, that's how it is for me. Uh, that's how it was for me. It is it is a little bit now, but before um, it was more often, more frequent. What what was the what was the um, when did you find out? How did you find out? Um, I found out two years ago, uh, back in 2015. Um, everything up until the point that I actually found out was pretty normal, you know. Avril, um, average normal 20s, you know, um, had a great job, had own place. And then one day it just felt like I just got hit with a ton of bricks and I just couldn't get out of bed. And I was crying constantly. I was avoiding people. And it just felt like I was just in a deep hole that I couldn't get out of. And it got to the point where I became very suicidal I stopped showing up to work. Um, I had many thoughts of suicide. Um, I honestly did not know what was happening, what was going on. And it was a constant feeling. And it wasn't like, well, I'll go to sleep, wake up tomorrow, it'll go away. It was day in, day out. And it was just a never ending thought process of how am I going to end my life today? And then I called 911 on myself and I didn't really know what else to ask them, but where do you go if you're going to hurt yourself? And they went through the whole um, procedure with me of, you need to go here. If we don't hear from you, we're going to have to send um, WPD to your home. So I ended up going to uh, St. John, uh, St. Joe and, um, got evaluated and I had to spend time in um, a mental health facility in order to get the help that I needed and that's when they told me um, you have bipolar disorder bipolar one to be specific and what is that bipolar one is extreme highs followed by extreme lows and they can last anywhere from days to weeks to months um, Someone can be very manic for a long period of time, and then out of nowhere, they can become very depressed, um, very angry, very short-fused, and looking back, that's how I was through childhood, and they said that you kind of develop that um, usually between the ages of like 10 to 13. So even if I had said anything when I was that age, there's really no way of telling because in that age, you're going through a lot of changes, you know, puberty and all this and that. So so, so what made you make that call? Because uh, to go through all that, those different emotions and then still have enough cognition to go, I need to make sure someone knows 
as far as as far up as you know calling 911 how did you get there well um i ended up calling 911 in the evening but that morning i had called my grandma and she could tell that there was something wrong um like most grandmothers do and you know she asked me if i was okay and i said yes and you know we just had like a nice talk and then i just kind of realized that i can't do this by myself like something needs to happen before something worse happens that i do to myself and so that kind of prompted me to do something to call and seek help because honestly if I had waited any longer, I don't have any doubt that I would not be here right now. And and so eventually um, you said that you went to uh, a mental health facility. What was that experience like going into intake and that whole deal? Well, the process itself was pretty long. Um, though everybody was very nice, like deep down, it was a feeling of, I was very anxious, I was very nervous, I was very scared, I felt very alone, Um, because when you see places like that um, depicted on TV, movies, or how people describe them, it's very dark, it's very dim, it's a very sad place to be. Um, The place that I was, um, it was very bright, and it felt more comforting to know that people actually wanted to help you and not just, you know, pretend that they're listening to your problems and pretend that they get it. Um, Were you nervous? I was very nervous. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen next. I was nervous enough to make the call because I was afraid that they would say, oh, we're just going to send you far, far away or you know, you're going to have to be here forever or live here forever. And, um, all in all, the process took a couple hours, um, from the, from St. Joe, they picked, it was me and there was three other people. They picked us up in like this van and they were going to the same place as me, but I had no connection to them at all. Um, they picked us up in a van, they took our shoes because um, if your shoes had laces, you couldn't right. have them. And um, I was able to call my family to tell them what was happening. Because up until that point, I no one had heard from me since the day before. Because this shifted over past midnight into the next mm-hmm. morning. And um, I called my mom. And I told her what was happening. My mom was just very upset. She was very confused, you know, like mothers do. She's like, what's happening? Why didn't you say anything, you know? And gave her the breakdown of what was going to happen. And I called my grandparents and told them what was going on. Then I called my aunt and my uncle and told them what's going on. If you can't tell, we're a very close-knit family. So (laughs) (laughs) if you tell one, you got to call everybody. So... Now, how old, how old were you at the time? Let's see, two years ago, I was 22. Oh, so this is recent. Yeah, this is very recent. Okay. And um, being 22, you know, you're still in that mindset of, this isn't supposed to be happening to me because of my age. I'm not supposed to be making phone calls about how 
I want to do self-harm on myself, having to call your family and tell them what's going on with you in that way. You know, you figure you're just out with your friends, working, making money, you know, planning ahead for your future. I never thought it would happen to me specifically, but once it does, it definitely changes your mindset on a lot of things. Do you, uh, is there any vivid memory that you have from being a kid? Now that you know what it is as an adult, uh, being a kid, do you recall any moment that stands out where you could say that that was, that was a moment? Well, one thing of bipolar is um, isolation. When I was a kid, I spent a lot of time by myself, not by, you know, not on purpose, but by choice. And I always felt the need to be just on my own, by myself. I never really spoke to anyone when I was a kid. And that showed during elementary school. And um, I ended up being in special education because I didn't think that I was socially developed yet. But the thing about that is I was there. But it felt like any time I was going to speak to someone, it was pure anxiety. And that's the main thing that sticks out is just being constantly by myself, wanting to be by myself. But yet I still had the feeling that I wanted to be with other kids, but I had no way of communicating that I wanted to be with other kids. It's almost like being stuck to the ground. You know you want to move, but you can't. Now, then today, if we fast forward today, do you carry any of that same um, reluctance, relu- reluctantness? I ain't going to say that word. <laughs> um, are you more reluctant to be around people the way that you were then, or do you find it easier to uh, uh, be in those groups of people and and be involved versus being wanting to be alone it's still very hard today um but i do certain things that would force me to be around people um like i go on photo walks and that usually involves large groups of people and just to put myself in a situation where i would have to communicate with others um i started doing improv which involves being with people and being in front of groups of people something that would ease me into a situation that would force myself to be more social and more talkative instead of being by yourself away from the group and isolated which I still do that sometimes but now I can tell if I'm doing that so I know how to correct it And I think by just forcing myself to be in those socially demanding situations really helps me in a way of people aren't bad. They're not scary. You know, bipolar is not tattooed on your forehead. So, you know, it's one of those things that no one knows until you tell them. Right. What what advice did they give you at the uh, mental uh, uh helps facility in terms of transitioning back into being around people 
Um, don't make it so hard on yourself to be known. Don't make it so hard on yourself to do certain things that society would deem acceptable. And that just plainly means to me, don't put yourself in certain situations where you know you can't handle it and you know you're not going to be comfortable. Um, Also, I write in a journal. So anytime I'm feeling anxious or if I had a bad day, I just write it out. And that normally helps me feel a little bit better, just get everything out on paper. And also, don't be afraid to talk. Talk about how you're feeling, if you're sad, if you're happy, if you're feeling any kind of way. No matter how odd it may seem to someone else, that's what's going to help me in the long run is if I just talk about it. Because I never wanted to talk about it and I just kind of built up so much and held it in so much that it just boiled over. And you can take a situation that's already pretty bad and just make it totally worse. Has it helped? It really has. Um, I'm in therapy, so I talk to a therapist, which really helps. And it also helps to talk to a friend. But I mostly just talk to my mom about certain things. Like, if I'm just having a bad day, I'll just call and say, Hey, Mom, not having a great day. And we'll just talk about it. And the phone call usually ends with someone laughing, and I consider that a win. And, um, but mostly when I am feeling that way, my kind of escape from that is my photography and my filmmaking. Because when you're just doing photography, it's just you and your camera and you can take a bad feeling and take a picture of something so beautiful, that bad feeling almost becomes irrelevant and it's replaced with that good image. So is the work in terms of the, the creative work, is that is that a response or a reflection of how you feel? Like, are you using that to feel better or using it um, uh, I guess so, so like you said, you could take a bad uh, feeling and turn it into a good one by using the image. Is that just uh, I guess, are you shooting to feel better or shooting to kind of express how you feel? I mainly shoot to express how I want to feel. Um, If I am having a terrible day, if I'm just kind of down in the dumps, the depression's kind of overwhelming, I'll take a picture of a sunset or I'll take a picture of a flower or I'll take a picture of something that represents some sort of happiness and that gives you that nice feeling inside to replace the feeling that I already have. And when I see that, it just replaces it almost as if I'm like transferring that bad feeling out and then putting that good image in as a feeling. And saying that a sunset, taking a picture of a sunset, if the one word I could describe that as beautiful, I'm going to replace the bad feeling with the word that I used to describe that photo, which is beautiful. So if I'm feeling gross or ugly or just down, I'm going to replace that with how the picture looks, which is beautiful. So now I feel beautiful. And I know that by just saying it that way, it may not seem like it works, but you just kind of feel different. Like I feel different when I say something like that. Or when I see something like that. 
and you just feel warm. And you feel like you just can't, there's no way to be sad when you're looking at something that is beautiful, in a sense. And there's no way you can feel bad when you're doing something that you love to do in the first place. What advice would you, what advice would you give other people who may be suffering from uh, bipolar or any other mental health disorder? Well, there's a lot of stigma behind mental health. And the one thing that I want to break of that stigma is that people who have it either are crazy or they are not capable of doing things on their own. Um, Mostly, if you are in a situation to where your mental health is being questioned by someone who does not know, It's okay to educate that person on it and also know that there are millions of people who are just like you and also know that talking about it, the only way that we can educate people and that that stigma can be lifted is by just talking about it. People are very afraid to talk about it because it makes some people uncomfortable. Well, it's going to make you uncomfortable, but it needs to be said because there could be some other kid in this same city who is far younger than me, who's going through the same thing. They don't know what to do because they're afraid to talk about it because if they talk about talk about it, depending on their cultural background, it may be considered as bad or weak or weird. And we got to separate those words from mental illness and replace them with, you are this way, but you're still normal. You just need a little assistance. And I'm not afraid to say that I have assistance. I have to take medication. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm still normal. I'm still who I am. I'm still a functioning adult. Um, but I guess the key advice in my ramblings would be, <laughs> <laughs> um, just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The bravest thing you can do is admit that you have something. Admit to say, it's just to admit that there is something wrong. That is the bravest thing you can do. And then also to people who think that mental illness may not be a real thing, no one chooses to be sad all the time. No one chooses to have behavior that may reflect mental illness there are people out there who still think that oh you're sad just shake it off you'll be fine or you know oh you know you'll be okay just do this or don't do that that's why you're this way Mm. who chooses to be that way who chooses to be sad constantly I don't choose that you know and if I could just shake it off I would just shake it off well, so far, everything, I mean, it sounds like whatever, whatever, what they've set you up with um, through the facility and at least, I mean, it's still relatively new diagnosis for you, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a, like anything, like exercise, like dieting, like anything else, it's a process. As long as you stay with the process, it should work out. But the process doesn't stop. Yeah, and it's a long road ahead because the one thing that just makes me a little nervous about it is that bipolar disorder is hereditary and basically if I were to have a child 
it's kind of split 50-50 if that child would have bipolar later on in their lives. Do you know anyone else in your family? I don't. Um, as far as anyone else is concerned, I'm the first person to talk about it or to come forward about it. Um, but I wouldn't doubt that there would be more people in my family who would have it. But the cultural, you know, and the stigma of it all, people would rather hide in their misery for years than to admit that there's something actually wrong. Well, here's to ending stigma and getting out of that misery. So I want to thank you again for uh, doing this, uh, sharing your story. Uh, since you're a photographer, do video, do you want to share your information? Uh, yeah, you can find me at uh, facebook.com slash photos. And then... Now, you know you got to spell that. <laughs> two Grizz, that's T-U-G-R-I-S, photos, all one word. And then you can find me on Instagram by the same name, T-U-G-R-I-S, photos. Um, and Twitter, very consistent, by the same name. <laughs> so uh if you guys ever need anything done i'm always up for it and always up for shooting with other people and let, and um i truly believe that someday we can all be accepting of each other and not judge someone based on the chemical balance of themselves all right. Well, uh, thank you again for sharing. Um, and again, if you need help, as you heard that she has no problem with uh, going to see a therapist, you can get therapy or therapy at your convenience with Talkspace at Talkspace.com. It's a membership and it's going to get you the help you need when you need it at your convenience, either if it's video, audio or text or online chat, whichever way it works for you. It's more convenient for how people live life today. And again, we're here at the, the kitchen in Old Town, Wichita, 237 East Douglas. All right. That's it. Awesome. All right. Another one, uh, another message here. This is from the Bipolar Barbie. It's not my illness that drives me towards suicide. It's how people treat me. The lack of understanding and tolerance towards me and appreciation for how hard I'm trying to overcome all the difficult struggles they won't even believe exist. That makes me want to give up. What's the point of trying if I'm getting nowhere and everyone thinks I'm doing nothing? It's not the symptoms of my illness, although they are horrible. It's not the fact that I'm just different. It's how people treat me that makes me feel like I don't belong. The voice that says, even when you're a whale, people still never accept you. You would never be treated as one of them. Being different makes us all stand out, and people are naturally weary of things they don't understand. So they reject it. They reject you and everything you say because it doesn't make sense to them. Being alienated from everyone you know makes you feel like you don't belong in this world. They make you feel like every time they say something stupid or do nothing, they make you feel like everything that you say is something stupid and you do nothing, which is all the time. 
If you don't believe my struggles exist, then you assume I'm making it all up, which means that you don't care because you won't even acknowledge I'm in pain and need help. So you won't help. And if the ones I care about don't want to help, then that means they don't care about me because you help the ones you love. Therefore, they don't think you're worth saving. They don't think you belong here because you always seem to fail at everything you do. Every day I wake up feeling either the same or worse. There's one thing on my mind. And it's been on there for years. I can't live like this. I guess when I first came to that conclusion, I did my research and sought help. Help I sometimes didn't get. Help sometimes I did. Help I persisted with exploring every avenue known to man to treat my ever-growing list of mental illness and psychological issues. I gave it my best shot. I put in everything I had and more, both time, money, energy, and what hope I had left that could be helped. I promised myself I would not give up until I searched the ends of the earth for a way to live again. I can't live like this became I can't live like this anymore. The bipolar Barbie. All right, so we have another story uh, okay. for this episode. Um, I have returning um, to tell a story is uh, my petty partner Aaron Neely. <laughs> <laughs> um. And we gonna and she's gonna tell we, we we'll do a little back and forth on this, but first, uh, I want to give a major shout out to the kitchen, um, the kitchen in Wichita. Uh, it's a restaurant with a chef's menu, uh, located in Old Town, seven twenty five East Douglas Avenue. Uh, you can even even order meals online. So if you're in a rush, you want to pick it up. The kitchen is where you can go. Uh, to order your meal and it'll be ready for you when you show up. So that's right next to the old train station downtown in Old Town. Uh, they help support uh, Mental Health Awareness Week, so we gotta make sure we give them a shout out. So, Aaron, yes. Um, when we did that episode, it was the day that I officially announced that I was gonna do this whole week, and right. uh, we kind of did some back and forth about. Just some of the things that go with uh, uh, the stigmas of mental health and, you know, if it's a thing of uh, of economics versus, uh, you know, a culture or a race. Um, right. So one thing that I have noticed throughout this whole uh, exploration and trying to get this show done as we get to the uh what we're recording is basically 48 hours before day one of um the mental health week is that it seems to me that artists and creative minded people are ones who struggle with this the most um 
you are currently working on a production of Sweat on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing hair and makeup, hair and makeup supervisor, which uh, this is some intricate stuff. And I've known that you've also done makeup and different kind of, uh, I don't know what to call it, but being creative on the human body. I mean, there's some creative things uh, with some of the ways you handle makeup for certain photographers and stuff like that. Um, do you have those moments as a creative where it's like so much too much, maybe at times where you find yourself just in these dark places of not being able to work? Yes. And I think that happens because a lot of times either you have a vision and it's either such a big vision or you have something that you want and you're trying to figure out quite how to get there, and then you start doubting yourself creatively, like, what if it's not good enough? What if it's not? What are other people going to think about it? And I think a lot of times, as artists, because we tend to be sensitive and we tend to nurture and um, take the things that we create and we do so personal and so delicately, they're like, there's so much a part of you because you work on it for so long that you start to wonder, are people going to understand it? Are people going to see it how you see it? Are people going to love it as much as you love it? Am I doing the right thing? Is, is it going to translate? You start to doubt yourself so much to the point where I have found myself like falling into like a little hole. And then it's like you don't get anything done. And then what's worse is when you don't have a vision at all. It's when you have something you should be working on, and but you can't get anything creative going you can't see it you don't feel it like it's hard so sometimes it's like okay i have these great visions that i love but will everyone else love it and then it's like oh shit i don't have any visions at all so now i'm just in a sunken place um do you remember the last time you went through one of those moments um probably yeah actually i think it was Leaving when this show ended, we before we moved to Broadway, we were off Broadway, and there was a moment of my show's ending. I want another show. Am I going to get another show? Are they going to call me for this show? And I was stuck in like a limbo place. And then you're like, well, what am I going to do next? What am I, am I doing? Right thing? Is my career going to go in the right place? Oh my God, I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. And then you always find yourself like questioning everything you're doing. Like, did I do the right steps? Did I do enough for the next job? Are they going to call me? Do they want me? Like they said, they might want me, but I don't know. And you don't hear anything, which I think is the problem in our, especially in this career. Like they'll call you and then a month will go by and you don't hear shit. <laughs> and then you, don't, you don't know what to do. And then two weeks before production starts, you'll get a call and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. So you're still interested, right? There's a, um, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm just kind of recalling this myself. There was a moment me and you was having a conversation. I can't remember how long it was because my life and time is a blur. Um, and you, we were talking and you had asked about, oh, you was in this dilemma of, do you stay in Dallas and work regular job or whatever it was moving back to Dallas or throw everything in going back to New York and, you know, taking a chance and hoping that something would happen. Um, 
what was going through your mind at that time? I think for me, especially because I'm in my 30s now, my biggest thing is like, okay, at some point you're going to have to retire. What if something goes wrong? Do you have enough money in savings? So I was like, okay, I know Texas is my safety net. I can work in Texas. I can even get a second job in Texas. I have family. So at no point am I just going to be stuck out figuring it out. Whereas in New York, all I would be doing is working in the theater and assisting and doing other little things, but it would all be makeup and hair related. But then it was like, damn, do I really, at my age, take this leap of faith and pray that it works out? Or do I just know I can make it work here? It's like, do I take the safe route and be safe? Or do I take this big grand leap of faith? And not know what's going to happen, not know where I'm going to end up. And maybe I end up back in Texas in six months. But I think it's my mom who made the statement. She was like, so you come back to Texas. What's the deal? She was like, go out there and do what you can do and do it for as long as you can. And then come home if you have to. And she was like, and what's the the deal? You don't, she was like, you could end up there and end up doing something great or magnificent, or you could stay in Texas. She was like, so what happens if you end up back here? You would have stayed anyway, so I don't see why it's an issue to go and just see what the future has for you. And I think sometimes it's hard to stuff and other things because a lot of people don't look at what we do as a real job or real careers or anything real. People look at it most of the time. It's like, oh, that's just your little hobby. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that a lot. Oh, that's your little hobby. And um, I even had an ex refer to my job as a hobby once, and it was like people don't get it sometimes and i think that's what makes it harder for us so when 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 you got that that uncertainty of yourself or or what's happening or the future and you have all these people kind of marginalizing um you know the work that you do and the experiences you have how does that play into um uh you know, your ability to work, your ability to focus and have, be positive about it and and try to stay out of a dark place. I think that comes into, you have to surround yourself with the right people. And luckily here, I have a group of amazing hair and makeup artists that when we all kind of get in that place, we can all cry and be frustrated and just talk it out with each other. But because we all end up there and we've all been there, it's someone else who can truly understand what you're going through. So it's almost like having your own little support group. Like some people might need AA. Some people might need a group of makeup artists that they can have a glass of wine and cry to because shit's just going south this week. With that group, I mean, with it being a group of uh, 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 creative talents and just Mm -hmm. talent in general, uh, these um do you ever see those you know those people dealing or or trying to navigate through maybe anxiety moments depressed moments and things like that and still having to go out there and put on a show or even i mean in front of the audience and behind the scenes oh god yes every day like um a friend of mine she was um learning a show but when she was learning the show, she literally had two days to learn what everyone else had learned in like a week and some change. Well, more than a week, like a week of tech and then previews. 
And there was a moment where she just felt the pressure of a quick change that she was going to have to do and knowing that it had to be super precise. And she had a moment of panic where it was like, it's, and she said, she's like, it's just kind of not fair. I have to, I don't get a chance to practice it. My practice is during the show. I have to just do it. And so there was that moment where she did, she did. She had to step away, have a little meltdown and come back and be like, and I looked at her and she looked at me and I was like, we just have to do it sometimes. I was like, and I think you can do it. I said, the problem is you don't feel like you can do it, but the rest of us know you can. And so there have been times in the middle of a show where I'll get frustrated with something going on, where I just will like have to step away to the restroom, have a moment and come back. What about those moments that last longer than moments, where it can last longer as days sometimes? Um, I think the saving grace sometimes, <coughs> excuse me, it's because we're around so many different artists that sometimes they can sense you're having a moment. And sometimes you can just be like, I'm having a day. And everyone will kind of give you your space. People won't constantly ask you or be in your space. They'll let you have that moment to breathe and that moment to just, it. That doesn't always happen because you'll have some shows where people just can't quite catch on and they'll be all in your face. But sometimes I think you just have to, a lot of it is just putting on a smile and faking it. Which is most of the time what a lot of people do. And that's not even just as an artist. I think that's just as humans. We do that a lot. Like we go through so much shit and we have so much holding us up back and we have so much that we're dealing with. But you just have to put on a smile and fake it until you have that moment where you don't have to or until you're around the right group of people where you don't have to. Which is great because the show that I work on now, we're, we've been together so long and we're such like a family now that if I am having a day where I'm like, you guys, I just have a mess, I can literally say it and everyone will be like, okay, we understand. What advice would you give uh, young creative people who don't, who 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 hasn't matured in that way yet, where they are starting, where they do have a lot of self doubt, or they do have a lot of uh, moments where it doesn't seem like even the people around them can understand, you know, that they're kind of suffering even within their creativity. I always tell people, one, you just have to know that um, you're going to fuck up. At any given point, at any given time, you're going to fuck up, you're going to make mistakes, and someone is always going to have something to say. What you have to do is you can't listen to what people say about you. For example, on social media, if you post your art, and you have a lot of followers, you're going to have some good, you're going to have some really nasty people say some really horrible things. But you have to try to stay away from that and realize that that is their opinion, and their opinion doesn't mean that your work is any less beautiful than what it is. And I also say you have to figure out your coping mechanism, like what is going to be your way of handling the day-to-day life and the day-to-day stress of putting something you loved out there and having people critique it and tear it apart. If you don't have a good sense of who you are and if you don't have a good outlet or a way to cope and deal with your shit, you're going to fall apart. Some people run, some people do yoga, some people smoke cigarettes. You just got to figure out what's going to work for you. 
And with that, uh, I will thank you for sharing your experience uh, with the people um, and kind of giving advice to those as well. Why don't you go ahead and plug uh, the uh, work, your, your, uh, your Broadway show? Uh, well, the show that I'm currently working on is by Lynn Nolted. She is a two-time Pulitzer Prize winner, and the show is called Sweat. It is a really, really amazing show on Broadway, and it's currently up for a ton of Tonys. So fingers crossed that we win Best Play and all the actors that are nominated win. But um, I don't want to say too much about it because it's such a good show that you kind of have to see it. But basically, it is very relevant to what is happening in America, what is happening to a lot of people in communities that are losing their jobs. It shows what happens um, with unions and people who rely on unions and different things like that. So it really shows how a start-to-finish story of where people started when things were great in their town to what happens when this town, basically a factory that everyone worked at, shuts down and how all these people end up in the different situations that they're in. Because we always look at people and go, damn, how did they end up there? This is one of those plays that will show you exactly how people end up there. Even the people in the play that you hate, you still fucking feel horrible and sad and a love for them because you know that could easily be you. <clears throat> Again, thank you for doing this. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to help a lot of people. Uh, that is another story from the I'm Kind of Famous Mental Health Week. This one is from Lucia Sherman. Depression and suicide are real, and I'm realizing more every day how little people actually know and understand about it. It is a terrifying roller coaster, and it all gets worse when you're alone. It is the hardest when you're alone and can't hide from your own thoughts. I try my hardest not to be alone because I never know where my mind will take me. I sometimes enjoy being alone, but when I'm depressed, it is just terrifying to be alone. It gets old when people act like because you won't just snap out of it, that you want to live like this, that you want to suffer. Like because you don't handle things the way they think you should means you don't really want to be happy again. I often don't want to talk. I want to have someone next to me so I'm not alone. Just them being there shows that they care. And when you are having the dark times, feeling like someone really cares if you are there or not means a lot. When I am alone with my mind, I quickly get filled with so much self-doubt. It is hard to feel good about anything. Sometimes just feeling like someone will love you no matter what happens is what you need to find a way to love yourself again. And when you are alone, you don't have that. Okay, now we're going to come down to this last story uh, and wrap this whole thing up. But before we do that, man, four days in a row, four shows back to back. Man, this a man, uh, if you listen to this, you probably, you're not realizing, like, this show hasn't been running for a very long time. So this is already an ambitious project of mine, but I just really know I knew I needed to do this and and just the feedback that I've gotten from doing this already has been great. Um, I do feel like it's probably going to be one of these things that pick up uh, with time. 
uh, people slowly catch it. Because, you know, I, I put it on everything. You know, I put it on Podbean, I, uh, iTunes, Google Music Store. Uh, we're working on getting on Stitcher. Uh, not Stitcher. Um, Spotify, as we speak. Um, and just getting it everywhere. In YouTube, there's video uh, episodes on YouTube. So, man, just share this with your people. Share this with your friends. You have no idea how many people could be suffering who just need this. If any one of these four episodes is something that you think someone will, res- uh, will resonate with, send that shit to them. Tell them they got to hear Because one thing, man, um, you know, we share music. We share funny videos, fight videos, all kind of shit. Shit just go viral for no reason. But we suffer with really communicating real shit sometimes. You know what I mean? Trayvon, you know, shit gets shot. Anything that makes us angry, we can do. But right now, this is one of those moments where I think, and maybe I'm biased because I made this shit, but we don't talk about mental health period we don't talk about anything uh that has to do with this because i know it's a tough situation it's a tough thing we 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 rather not know but look man this show if this show ain't showed you shit it shows you that it can be anybody uh anytime with any sort of issue and you just gotta fight through it this show shows you how many people fight through it, including myself. It was a very tough thing for me to do what I did here, for me. And that's tough. And, and and that's how I know it's tough for most people to try to have this conversation. But you should not. And if you suffer from any mental health, don't feel guilty about that shit. Just because people don't understand don't mean that someone doesn't understand. It's just the lack of information, the ignorance. That's why. And it's scary, like, for someone, like, for me, I get in these spells and people, some people get afraid for me because they know. And some people uh, just think I'm being an asshole, think I'm being a dick and they don't want to deal with it. And I get it. I understand. But also, I realize that they're not taking the time to understand, too. So I don't. Get, I don't beat myself up, and I can't beat them up either. But that's what awareness is about. After this next story, we're just going to end it abruptly. And until next Thursday, we back to the regular situation. <laughs> this was a lot. It was a lot of work, up until even up until today, Wednesday, when I record this part of this. So, uh, man, I appreciate y'all for listening. Tell your mama I said hi. <laughs> Okay, we got another story for the I'm Kind of Famous podcast, Mental Health Week, um, Confessions episode. So we got a friend of the show, Dave the Caveman Rickles. We're going to talk um, uh, about a story that's pretty close to him. So uh, very personal, but before we get into that, we want to make sure that uh, if you need help, uh, you feel like you need help, you know someone needs help, or um, want a service that's convenient the way that you like to use services, there's Talkspace.com. Talkspace is a subscription app that you can, or a subscription service that you can use where you can get a therapist when you need it, anytime you need it, 24 hours, um, and you can use it by text. If that's how you want to use it, you want to make a phone call, you want to chat online, 
or just email it back and forth. That's what Talkspace is for, to make things more convenient and less un- uh, less uncomfortable to set up an appointment and take time out for work. This is to make things a lot easier for you if you need that kind of help. Now, David. I got to call you David now because we're professional now. Um, you, we, me and you made a uh, documentary called Evolve or Die that was going into your uh, fight with Michael Chandler. Um, uh, I happen to know that there was a, 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 I mean, there was a big buildup, a big anticipation for this fight. Um, you was changing some things in how you trained for this fight uh, going up to, uh, was it Colorado? Yeah. Going to Colorado um, to do the, Mani- was it Manitoba Incline? Yeah, the Manitou Incline. Manitou Incline. Um, and going into that, um, there's some things that happened um, that kind of forced you to adjust a little bit. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, well, I mean, just one of my one of my best friends uh, took his took his life. Uh, his name is Matthew Polk, and uh, it was a. Uh, I was up there. I was training in Colorado, preparing for, uh, you know, a, a big fight, and uh, I'm getting all serious and everything. And um, a friend of mine passed away. Uh, while I was here in town, and uh, he 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 hung himself, and um, we were. It was one of those things where you get called, and uh, you just don't even believe. Like, man, it's it's just like, oh, he'll be fine. I was like, he'll be fine. Like, because mm. th- the way they describe it, you know, everyone's trying to be so sensitive to everybody's feelings. I guess. Right. It's like the way they were talking to me was like, he's just gonna. Oh, he's just, he's in the hospital and, uh, he's in a coma or whatever it may be, whatever it was. And he's going to be fine. Like he's going to come out of it and everything will be cool, you know? And that's kind of what I thought at first, you know, you didn't want to think that your, your friend was going to die. And then, and then I went and saw him and in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think that, you know, listening to the, you know, doing my own research on the internet and, uh, that's when I realized, you know, that'd be the last time I ever get to see him. So that was before you made the trip to Calif- uh, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, that's right before I, I was supposed to. I was supposed to leave that day, and uh, um, I, you know, of course I had to go see him. I had so, to. I had to see him. Yeah. So when you uh, there was no way around that. So when you went to Colorado, um, uh, what what ended up happening? I mean. Well, uh, like I said, it's just one of those things that disbelief and, uh, you know, I handle, uh, I guess traumatic experiences like that differently is I just try to avoid them. Mm. Like I just, I'm like, okay, this didn't happen. Okay. Uh, this is, you know, I just, uh, I put it in the back of my head, I guess, because I was training for my fight and. I think I was like two or three weeks out and I, I'm about to go run the incline. We had just got into Colorado, just got into Colorado. We're like, let's go hit the incline. We're going to get a really good workout. And, uh, this was, uh, um, Matt was on the respirator and everything for, I think it was 
two or three days before his family made the decision. So, I mean, this is like four days after his mm-hmm. passing, you know, nope. after the he uh, wasn't, you know. So what 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 makes that incline like a big deal? Well, the incline's a mile straight up into the mountains. It's just railroad ties. It's uh, I mean, I don't know what degree of, but it's uh, it's one of they they built it for Olympians to run on. So you're preparing for this fight with that kind of, you know, uh, burden on your back. Going into that, I mean, you know, I, I met you guys close for how long? Since eighth, I met him eighth grade, and then we really became friends in high school. And I mean, he was like my ride or die, dude. I mean, we did everything together. We got in lots of fist fights together, and um, he was genuinely my best friend, and. uh yeah, we just we had so many life experiences together. We just we were like very similar as well. But I'm going to run the Manitou incline and uh like I said this is 4 days after his passing. And uh I've been trying to, you know, thinking I could just go tra- I'm just going to go out there and train and uh, you know, um blah blah blah. I'll just uh kind of carry this around and I'll be okay. But I had a like a a, a severe mental breakdown like halfway up the Manitou incline and fighters, Steven Wynn and uh, Johnny Marigo were there with me. And, you know, they, they don't understand, you know, they don't understand what was going on with me, but I just, I, I literally, I stopped running and just started bawling my eyes out and I felt sick. Like I couldn't, uh, it, it felt like, I it felt like, I was just, I couldn't even control it. Like, it was un- completely uncontrollable. So it just kind of randomly hit you? It randomly hit me, man. It was just like, I, I'm halfway up, and I'm thinking about it. And uh, it and it hits me that I'm just never going to see him again. and I'm never going to get to just all of everything, you know. I don't get to see him ever again. What could I have done differently? This, that. Uh, and uh, I had a... A tr- like that was a true mental breakdown and they had to care they carried me to the car i was bawling uncontrollably they had to carry me to the car i cried for about 24 hours straight and i drove back to wichita so what happened once you got back to wichita um got back to wichita and uh you know got together with friends tried to tried to talk about things because that you know was something I had to do. I had to try to deal with the emotions. You know, I think I was just trying to avoid them so bad um, that they all just stacked up, and my my mind was like, "No, you have to deal with this right now." Now you still took the fight. Why didn't you just pull out the fight? Um, I just don't. I've never been that type of person. I mean, I could have easily pulled out of the fight. I mean, we're talking your best friend committing suicide. Uh, two weeks before you fight. I mean, I was emotional wreck and, but I trained, I was prepared physically at least, but mentally I really wasn't like there, you know? So I could have pulled out, but I didn't. And, uh, I just, I don't, you know, I don't think anyone should pull out of, I'm a businessman. You know what I mean? Like I needed money for my family too. So, um, do you, do you feel like that there was a, 
um, a sign or or maybe something that didn't seem right around that time or have you even looked back on that yeah i look back on it a lot and uh and in hindsight um matt one of the things like i will say is like mental health awareness like if you have friends that have really highs and really lows like those are the people you watch out for in my you know from my experience of of going through all this with uh me and my friends and Matt had really good highs and really bad lows and uh uh he was in a really bad low point of course when he ended up taking his life and uh you know it was about a month before me and Matt started working out a, a lot together he wa- he wanted to start getting ready to do a, a triathlon with me mm. and um we were working out um, maybe it was two months before, but we were working out really hard. We were swimming and doing all this stuff together. And then, uh, you know, the triathlon kind of fell through cause of that fight and everything. And then, uh, I, I was running with Matt one day and this was a few weeks before he ended up taking his life. And he, at the end, he just sat down with me and, you know, he had been going through some rough stuff with his girlfriend and, uh, he asked me like how I fixed my life because I was a mess when I was younger. You know, mm. I, you know, I was a troubled kid for sure. And, uh, you know, he felt like just things weren't going his way. And he was asking me about how he could fix his life. And, uh, I get, you know, honestly, I gave him like, I just like, dude, Oh, you're everything's bro. You're okay. You know, I just gave him like, but thinking back to it, like the way that he looked at me, he really was looking for like help. He was looking for, he genuinely, like that was the moment I could have, you know, if, oh man, if there was a time that I could have probably changed some things, like that was it. And, uh, and you said that was like two, I'm, this two was months. like two or three weeks before. Oh yeah. We just went on a long run. We just were, we just did a long run and, he looked, man, just the way I can remember vividly, just the way he looked at me and the way he said it. I kind of shrugged it off as, oh, Matt, you're, you know, you're fine, man. Like, you're going to get through all this, bro. And then, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I got to live with that. So it is one of those things that, uh, you know, one, one thing, you know, up on, on these series of shows, uh, the try to tackle with is trying to figure out the difference between, like, depressed and sad you know someone just going through something real quick that you know you just give them some affirmation and it's good versus like what's really going on behind the curtain which is which is tough i mean across the board because with social media you got so much of the just attention seeking and things like that so it's even hard to even tell when someone is using social media as an outlet right to to act to get help so and matt matt you know, this for me, he's like the prime example of like what you see on the surface is not exactly what's going on because, you know, his true friends knew that Matt was actually pretty emotional, you know. Yeah. But to everybody else, Matt was stone cold. Like he was tough dude who didn't give a shit about anything or anyone kind of stuff. You know, he'd fight anybody. He, you know, he was so prideful of himself, you know, and uh, 
I guess suicide just never really all of us were pretty baffled, honestly. Was it random? Did he leave anything to even say how he was feeling? I'm I you know, I don't know. I think mm. his family would know, but mm. I, I'm from what I haven't heard anything about a note or anything like that. I'm sure he, I you know, I would think that he did, but I don't know. What advice would you want to give to someone who may have been in may be in your position right now who may be listening who had a friend who may have just said something like i said if you've got your you know if you're like because he was my best friend i knew him on a deeper level you know like i said when i could look back on that moment and i felt it then you know and i should have taken it more seriously i mean really feel your friends out, really feel them out, you know, look them in the eyes and when they're having their lows or they want to talk about something or, or this and that, you know, because it, it could be the last time, you know, it, it highs and lows, uh, are, um, I'm pretty sure are pretty constant in depression, depression uh, and bipolar. Yeah. So, uh, if you've got some friends like that, I mean, I don't care how tough they are, you know, or or whatever whatever front they try to put on. Um, I th- I think it's just really important to try to connect your friends on a deeper level and uh, see when they're really in pain. Well, with that, is was there anything else you want to say about it, or? Um, I just man, and and also, you know, as as. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to think, you know, if there's any of my friends that ever listen to this or anything, you know, this is my open invitation. Talk to me about anything, please. You know, try to if you if you have any thoughts, find that person that is your best friend and talk to them about it. You know, um, talk to them about anything. Get you know, but I don't know. I I can't pretend to be a, a, an expert. I'm not an expert. Yeah, I'm, I'm just jumping I'm definitely in here not doing an the expert. So, uh, well, yeah. if if you know anybody or you feel that you may be in this place, or if you think that someone needs help, there is always the uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline uh, at one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five, or you can go suicidepreventionlifeline dot org. Uh, we'll have that linked in the show notes and. Um, also, you know, we talked about this film earlier, but, uh, we dedicated this, uh, film we made called Evolve or Die, uh, to Matthew. So if you want to check that out, you know, we open it up with it and you can kind of see, uh, some of this process that went to, um, going into this fight, um, with the omission of some of the things that happened, uh, in between. So, uh thanks for sharing this yeah uh thanks for having me on um i just like to you know i i did last year i did an uh afsp uh uh charity event and uh you know ever since matt's passing i'd like to help anybody in this as best i can you know and uh thank you for having me on and thank you for considering me all right that's it that's a wrap so, in light of you being kind of famous... Why the hell I'm kind of famous? Who the hell she knows?